on, church. Come on, come on, let's go. Man, oh man, it is great to be back here with you guys. It is great to be back here with you guys. I love the fact we gather on a Sunday, every Sunday, by the way, that comes once a week. Right? Come on. It comes once a week. We come together and we sing praises to an awesome God, right? He's an awesome God. Amen? Amen. He deserves all of our praise and we celebrate life change through his son, Jesus Christ. Like I said, it's great to be with you. Good morning to all of you who are joining us online. We wish you were here, but we're glad we have the opportunity to connect you with the word of truth no matter where you are. And those who are new with us this morning, good morning to you as well, man. Come on, church. Give it up for our guests. We love that you are here. We love that you were here, that you're coming to check us out and hang with us this morning for about an hour. If you haven't figured it out yet, this church is all about Jesus, Amen. right? We're all about Jesus in this place. And I pray that when you, before you leave today, you realize how much he loves you, how much he loves you and what he has done for you so you can have the best life ever here and now and with him all eternity in heaven. Amen, church? Amen. Man, oh man, it's great to hear. Guys, I talk about celebrating life change with Jesus Christ just before I got out of here this morning, I went, ran back to the office. I, well, let's be honest, I didn't run. Um, I walked back to my office and I pulled up some, some information, some stats. You know me, I'm about numbers. And I realized it's been over a month since someone in this church accepted Jesus Christ. Yeah, come on. That light has not been on in five weeks. So what are we going to do about that? We're going to pray. Right? Come on. We're going to pray. We're going to encourage you to reach out to people who are around you who need Jesus. We're going to pray for them. God, show them that they need Jesus in their life. I mean, this is why we exist, right? Our church, our, our mission is to make more and better disciples of Jesus Christ. Yeah. More, that means people are coming to Jesus. Better, that means people are coming more like Jesus and less like the world. So we want to be praying for that constantly, not just for Sunday mornings, Throughout the week, I want to challenge you to do that this week. Every single day, pray that God will bring someone to the end of themselves and realize they need Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior to spend eternity with him. You with me in that, church? Yeah. All right, because that's what we're going to do, because that's what we're all about. All right. Gang, open your Bibles, if you would, to 1 Peter chapter 5. 1 Peter chapter 5. We're going to be kicking things off at verse 8 this morning. If you grabbed an orange Bible on the way in, you'll find it on page 830, 1 Peter 5, verse 8, or 830. Now, before we get into this conversation this morning, I want to I jump into something that J.J. talked about earlier. We have turned the calendars to December, which means we are approaching a major day for the church, right? That's a major day for church, that we are celebrating the birth of our Savior, right? Jesus Christ. That is Christmas. You with me on that? Christmas it is an amazing time of the year for not only for us as his church to reflect on God's faithfulness, his love for sending his son, but also God has given us an amazing opportunity, a multitude of opportunities to connect to those who don't know him, right? Christmas is one of those times of year, Jesus said earlier, that people were willing to come to church. And for some reason, it's like, okay, it's Christmas season, I need to come to the church. So this year, we're having three services. Three services, and they're at December 24th, Christmas Eve. They are at 3, 4.30, and 6 p.m. Again, there is no morning services that day, but they've been pushed to the afternoon to give us another opportunity. See, sometimes Sunday morning is an obstacle for people to come to church 
They're like, well, I'm going to show up at church. There's going to be all those people and all that stuff, and they're concerned about walking into Sunday morning. So Christmas Eve, it removes an obstacle. It's like, hey, this is a special event. We're having something really cool at church. Would you come and hang out with me? I'll save you a seat. So we want to do just that. We want to move those obstacles, giving everybody the opportunity to come and hear the message of hope. So I guarantee that we're going to be talking about Jesus that night. All right? So we need to be invited. Let's be honest. Christmas is a pretty big deal, right? It's a pretty big deal. And we're asking you as a church to make it a big deal with us. So when you leave today, you're going to be receiving some invite cards. Don't just stack them someplace. Hand them out individually. Real people, right? Beating hearts. Invite them to come to with you at church. We have a hundred yard signs. If you are a your house lives in a place where people can see you. They, people drive by all the time. Grab a yard sign. Put it out front. People would see those things, you know, all the time. People have them out there, so put them out there. Listen, if you don't live in a public place, like you live in the backwoods somewhere, and the only people that see you are the squirrels, don't take a yard sign, all right? Uh, you know what I'm saying about that. Don't take a yard sign, right? Put them out there. If you have people driving by, Put them out there, all right? We have banners. We have banners in the lobby, banners out front. We're going to be doing social media posts, events. We're going to be jumping in some local publications. We want to make a big deal about Christmas because Christmas is all about Jesus, and we make a big deal about Jesus, amen? Amen. All right, so I want you to commit with me for this entire month to make a big deal about Christmas. You with me? Yes. Mm -mm. Are you with me? All right, there you go. Now we can move on to this morning. This morning, we're wrapping up this series, Breakthrough. You know, church, I have been praying through this series, and it's been my hope and prayer for you that as we've been walking through this series, that God, through his word, through his spirit, is working powerfully in your life, and you have been experiencing breakthroughs in some areas that you've never had before, or that you get the tools to continue moving forward in life. You know, we've said this every week, in Jesus, we are never meant to just survive in this world. In Jesus, we are meant to thrive in it. He says, I'll give you the best life possible, abundant life. And we're very clear, that doesn't mean that every single day that we go through life, it's all rainbows and unicorns, you know what I'm saying? It doesn't mean that. What he's saying is that we can win. We can have victory over what we face in this world, the brokenness of this world. You know, I have experienced this I've witnessed firsthand in the lives of so many people that I've cared for, individuals, families, marriages, and even churches come pray to the brokenness of this world. I've seen a defeat in their eyes. I've listened to them as they describe what seems an immovable moment in their life that they just can't get past it or get to the other side. I've watched tears roll down their face. This world has broken them down. Physically, emotionally, and spiritually. You know, and maybe, and maybe that's the reality for some of you this morning. Maybe that's what you were facing. You've been walking through, you've been, you've been dealing with fear in your life. You can't get past and, and move where God is calling you. You're wrapped up in anxiousness and you can't find the peace. You're being, you're being dwelled down by depression. You feel broken inside. You're lonely. 
You feel if life is being controlled by a habit or driven by a hurt. Jesus said very clearly, friends, that in this world, we will experience hardship. But what we need to do as a church is get the other side of those words because he says, take heart, I have overcome this world. And that means in Jesus, we can overcome what we're facing in life. You with me? Amen? Well, we bring this to close this morning. And what I believe to be a very pivotal conversation for this series, I think if we didn't end this way, we'd be missing out. Outside of week one, knowing that who we are in Jesus, that we are a chosen people, our identities in Jesus Christ, we need to know who the battle of our lives is against. See, I think many times we miss this. We experience hardship and pain and suffering in life, and we start looking around the world for someone or something to point our pain at. And what we do, we have a tendency to, to look at the people around us. We look at our neighbors. So you are the problem. We look at our coworkers, our bosses, our exes, and the others in the church. and say, you are the problem of my pain. Anyone or anything who has hurt us or rejected us, we put a target on their back and say, they are my enemy. Now, I am not denying the evil deeds that have been done or, being, or the corruption being carried out but in many ways in this world by others with flesh on their bones. But what I am saying is many times our target is off. See, right now, friends, there's, there's a battle happening that we can't see, but our lives feel the full effects of it every single day. You're right to think that we have an enemy, but it, our enemy is not our neighbor. It's not our, our boss. It's not our ex. It's not a politician or others in the church. In fact, Jesus is very clear as he reveals to the Pharisees as he rebukes them who our enemy is in John chapter 8. Look at this. He says, why is my language not clear to you? You are unable, because you are unable to hear what I say, you belong to your father, the devil. You want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth. For there is no, there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language. He is a liar and the father of lies. Did you catch it? Jesus is pointing to the one who is standing behind the scenes, loving to create chaos in our lives, loving to bring the pain and suffering into our lives. He is a liar. He is a hater. He is a murderer. And his name is Satan. Friends, if we want to experience breakthrough. We want to get to the other side of what's in front of us. If we want to fight for the life that is truly life in Jesus Christ, we're going to stand fast against what's coming at us, then we need to know who our fight is against. We need to identify our enemy. We need to identify our enemy. See, Peter's walking through this. He actually goes, you have your Bibles, your Bible apps right there right now. 1 Peter 5, verse 8. He tells us, again, he says, be alert. 
and of sober mind. Your enemy, there it is. Your enemy, who? The devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Your enemy, the devil, is looking for someone to devour. As Peter is closing down his letter to the chosen people, the exiles, the rejected, who are walking through hardship, he's walking through four chapters, how they can find victory in this world, victory over this broken world, their suffering. He says, okay, as you have been doing this, don't forget who your enemy is. Don't forget who your fight is against. Our enemy is Satan himself. And friends, he is so much more than the little cartoon characters with little red horns and a pitchfork that we see going around, okay? He is so much more than that. Right now, there is a war taking place. The earth is a battlefield for souls. One side fights for our freedom, and the other fights for our destruction. Paul. Another follower of Jesus brings us to the forefront, points us to this in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12. Look what he says. He says, for our struggle is what? Not, not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the, the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. It's not against other people. Our enemy, our fight is against Satan, who stands against everything Jesus. He's the one who loves to bring pain into our lives. He is the one who delights that we stumble and fall. He's the one constantly trying to find ways to wreck our faith. He's the one who celebrates when we quit. He's the one who laughs when we cry. He's the one who lies and tells us that we're not worthy of everything, anything good. And he, right now, is living out his favorite pastime, chewing up and spitting out God's children, devouring lives, crushing faith. We need to identify our enemy. We need to understand who our fight is against. Listen, 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 hear me in this, hear me in this. Look up here. If we don't know who our fight is against, then we'll never know how to fight to win. You hear me on that? If we don't know who it's against, we'll never know how to fight to win. And Peter, in verse 8 of chapter 5, he made it very clear who our enemy is. But he also shares some nuggets of truth that we need to understand. Here's what we know. It says, he is like a lion. Our enemy is like a lion. He, he is spewing hate, roaring fear, and causing doubt in your life. He is not the lion. You see the difference? He is like a lion. He's not the lion. He's a wannabe. He's a poser. Read the scripture, my friends. It says over and over again, Satan wants to be like God, be better than God. He wants to throw authority in your life, and he doesn't have it. He's like something. He is not the something. 
Revelation chapter 5, verse 5, look what it says. Then one of the others said to me, do not weep. See, the lion, right, the lion, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has triumphed. Jesus is the lion. Satan is like a lion. He's a wannabe God. Jesus sits with all authority over all things. Devil is their enemy. He's a wannabe God. He has no authority over your life as a child of Jesus. Oh, sure. He'll roar. He'll scream into your life. He'll try to bring doubt and pain and suffering and tell you that you're not worth anything, that you can't accept this life with Jesus. There's nothing good for you. He'll just kind of think like that, and he's all bag of chips, but he's not. He's a wannabe God. And he knows his time is close to being over because he knows he's already been defeated. The purpose of his existence is to cause chaos in your life. And he will live it out every single day until he's thrown to the lake of fire of hell for all eternity. And his goal is to take God's people down. And derail anyone who is searching for the love of Jesus Christ. Friends, don't surrender to our enemy. He is a want to be God. The original poser. You hear me? Yeah. And right now, he is banking on the fact that you forget that he's there. The more he can work in the shadows of your life, unseen, the more damage he can do. Man, he loves it. He loves it. We can point fingers at everyone else for everything else. He loves it when there's confusion and chaos and fighting in our lives and biting of each other in this world and especially inside the church. Because he knows when we are so focused on blaming and attacking each other, we forget about him. We forget about his minions. And we take our eyes and our hope off of Jesus. Has anybody ever seen the original Wizard of Oz? Show me. Show me again. If you haven't seen it, watch it. It's a fun movie to watch. But there's a part in that movie when after they're done killing the wicked witch of the east, uh, they go back to the great and powerful Oz to, to be sent back home. And people were afraid of the great and powerful Oz. They walked into his castle and there was smoke and there was flashing fire and faces playing and it's loud and causing chaos and, and they were like scaring everyone and shrinking back. And then you had this little dog, Toto. And he goes over, he grabs a curtain, and he peels it back. And he says that famous line, you hear it, and it says, pay no attention to the man behind the curtain. Friends, that's what it's like with Satan. He wants with us to forget that he is there. He's flashing, causing chaos, causing fear. 
That we will forget that he's the influence behind the most difficult moments and situations and hardships in our lives. And what we need to be is like this little Toto dog. We need to go over and pull back the curtain and say, listen, I have my eyes on you. I know who you are. I know what you're trying to do in my life. And it's not going to happen today. You have no authority over my life because I belong to Jesus. You know what I'm saying? And Peter says, with sober minds, sober minds, clarity, we need to be alert. We need to be ready. So when he comes attacking, throwing his fiery arrows into our lives, we are ready to defend. We flip the script of what he's saying to us. We flip the script. When he inflicts pain, we flip the script to the one who is greater that heals. When he creates chaos, we flip the script in our mind to the one who is greater that created everything, who brought order to this, this galaxy and to this creation. We were consumed by fear and anxiety. We flipped the script again to the one who is greater, who gives us perfect peace. When we are rejected, we flip the script to the one who is greater, who has embraced us. When we don't feel like we belong, we fill up the script in our mind to the one who is greater that has built a house, eternal house for us, that we are chosen people and heaven is our home. Anything and everything that our enemy brings into our lives to hurt us, to consume us, to take us down, we need to flip the script against them to the one who is greater, embrace all of God's grace. Remember, to stand fast in it. Are you with me? Yeah. Friends, that can only happen if you know your enemy. You know who your fight is against. Proclaim who he is, and proclaim victory over him in Jesus' name. Say, you have been defeated. We need to identify our enemy, then we know what to do, and that's this. Don't run, resist. Don't run, resist. Look at verse 9, it says, resist him. Resist him. Stand firm in the faith because you know that the family of believers, that the family of believers throughout the world are going to the same kind of sufferings. We reject his false authority. We stand firm in our faith. That is how we win, friends. We don't give Satan what he's looking for. He is looking for us to quit. He's looking for us to run the other direction. He's looking for us to give up on God. He's looking for all that. And we say, no, 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 no. You don't. You don't win today. It's like we go through every single day in our life and we put our hands and say, not today, Satan. Amen. James, Jesus' brother, says in James chapter 4, verse 7, he says, resist the devil and he will flee. That we're proclaiming, we stand on our ground proclaiming who we are in Jesus and he has to go running, not us. He knows 
he doesn't stand a chance against Jesus. He tried and failed. Looking back to Ephesians, Paul fleshes this out that gives us, expands this truth. You look at verse 13 in Ephesians chapter 6. It says, therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when we, the day the evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. See that? Stand your ground. And after you've done everything to stand. When evil hits the threshold of our lives, when it steps to the door and starts knocking, we resist them. We stand our ground. We don't turn and run. In fact, the Greek word that Paul uses to illustrate the standing firm or standing our ground, anistomy, is the same word as Peter and James use to resist him. It means to set oneself against, to be complete opposition, to resist, to stand our ground. Three guys, three books, talking about standing our ground against Jesus. Scripture's amazing, isn't it? It's almost like it was all tied together and given to us on purpose. You should read it sometimes. It'll change your life. Church, read your Bible. Come on. <laughs> but the problem is, friends, too many people have this backwards. Too many of God's children has this whole idea backwards. We go through life surrendering to Satan's authority and resisting God. When, when things hit us, we feel like we deserve or we're not worthy or we failed again. We're dealing with the hardship that we're like, okay, okay, you win, you win, you win, you win. And God's like, no, no, don't bend down. Don't fall back. Get up. I'm right here. I am your righteousness. I am your strength. I will hold you where you need to be. Don't bow down to him. But too often we do. We give him the, the authority over our lives and God's saying, stop it. Stop it. Resist him and he must flee. Paul, in verse 13, adds a phrase in here that is a game changer for us. For us, we're claiming victory over this defeated world. He says, after you have done everything to stand. After you have done everything to stand. Many times, we are losing the battle We're unable to stand firm in our faith. We struggle to stand fast in God's grace simply because we're not doing everything to stand. The war that we are in has already been won in Jesus' name. We have victory in Jesus, but we are losing the battle of life because we fail to use everything that God has given us to withstand the tax. Everything is key. Not one thing. Not a couple things. But everything. Everything that God has given us to live the life in Jesus Christ has called us to live. We need to live that out. Remember, back in chapter, I mean, verse 11 of, of 
chapter 6 of Ephesians says he's going around scheming. He is scheming. The devil's scheming for looking for ways to take you down. What? He is looking at your life. He's trying to identify your weaknesses. He's looking to say, okay, how and what's going to take him down? What can I put in front of him? What can I do to him? He is scheming, looking to take you out. So why won't we do everything, everything that God has given us? To stand fast. Right now, if you feel like you are losing at life, feel like you're failing, you're hurting, you're lonely, you're broken, look in the mirror. Look behind you. And see if you are doing everything you can to prepare for battle. Using every resource that God has given you. Friends, God wants you and I to win, right? He wants us to have victory. He defeated Jesus. Okay, I've already done the hard work. Just stand in great faith with me and do everything and use everything I give you to win. Not just survive this world, but to thrive in this world in my name is what Jesus is saying. And then Paul Paul breaks this down like blues clues for us. I love that because he makes it very simple. He says in verse 14, he says, Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with a, with a breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted, fitted with the readiness of the, that comes with the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith. With it you can extinguish all the fire, flaming arrows of the evil one. Take up the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. The truth. He says, the belt of truth. The truth is embracing the truth of the gospel, that the old you is gone, the you new is present. Righteousness. That means we're in the right standing with God, that we're going through life in a right standing with God, that we come before him. We're honestly and regularly confessing our sin to him and because we know sin separates us. We understand that Christ is our righteousness and he stands between you and the evil one and he takes the blows. That we have this readiness. Man, that's what we've been walking through this entire series. Being ready, sober, alert in mind for a purpose greater than ourselves, that we're a proclaimer of the gospel by our lives and our mouths. Then he says, pick up the shield of faith. My faith defends me. Our faith defends us. The stronger our faith the better we will be be able to stand our ground. The bigger my shield, the more protected I will be. And then he goes on and says, the helmet of salvation. This is the beginning and ending of everything. 
If you don't have a surrendered personal life with Jesus Christ, let me just tell you this morning, you are exposed to the enemy. There's a good reason that life seems to be tossing you wherever, wherever it wants. Your head is exposed. Your life is exposed. The intoxication and the lies of the enemy. And then it says, the word of God. Live, active, sharper than a double-edged sword. It, as it's proclaimed, always accomplish its purposes. It's a beautiful thing about this, what it says is, which is the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. There's a couple words in Greek language that talk about the word. One is logos, means the word. And this one here is called rema. means spoken word. Speak the truth, baby. Read the scripture out loud. I saw some memes on that on, on social media this past week. I want to audibly hear the word of God. We'll read the Bible out loud. God has given us everything we need for life and godliness. He has given us his word to read, to know him, to fall in love with him, to follow him. He has given us prayer as a way for us to talk to him and for him to talk to us. And he has given us the Holy Spirit to lead us, protect us, and guide us. And lastly, he's given us community. The church. The church, the raging river of purpose, of God's glory of purpose. Look back at verse 9. It says, resist him. Stand firm in the faith because you know what? That the family of believers. Friends, we're in this thing called life together. We're not alone. Life is better connected. We are stronger together. God's mighty power has been given us as his children for us to live individually and it gets so much stronger we're living corporately as his body of believers. So we can stand against the powers of darkness that we face together, resist him individually, resist him as a church, and we find victory over what we're facing. You need to know your enemy. You need to know who you're fighting so you know how to fight to win. The enemy is not the people next to us. The enemy is not the people in the church. The enemy people are not people at work. Our enemy is not that. Then what we say or do and act towards them will change. If our enemy is Satan, we'll call in the name of Jesus and cast him away. He must flee. We give him no power in our lives. We resist the original poser. You must go. Come on, church. Let me just ask, who here has got a lion in her lungs this morning? Come on, give it up for Jesus. The enemy thought that he had me. But Jesus said, you are mine. So church, when you walk out those doors, do not give him a foothold into the life of glory that God has given you through his son, Jesus Christ. He has called you to have abundant life, abundant life, abundant life in Jesus Christ. Amen? Find your breakthrough. Stand your ground in God's grace and proclaim victory. 
and our Lord Jesus Christ. Yeah. Right now, I'm asking our prayer team to come forward. And we're going we're gonna to pray. We're going to proclaim that. But if you're in this room and you're walking through a hardship or a pain, you're like, man, that church family, the thing that you talked about, Rich, I need that right now. I'm going to encourage you to come up and be lifted up in prayer. You do not walk through what you face in this life alone. You have a body of believers who are standing fast with you. So don't walk out those doors carrying the burden by yourself. Understand there's an amazing, awesome God beside you, and as a child, he's in you, and he's given you a family to walk with you. Amen? All right, let's pray. Father, we just thank you We thank you for who you are. We thank you for your glory. Thank you for calling us to be your children. Thank you for sending your son, Jesus Christ, without his life, death, and resurrection, and us surrendering our whole being to you, we'd be lost and dead in our sin. But because we believe in a risen Savior, we believe that he paid the price. His blood ran red on the cross, So in our surrender, we can have life. God, that overwhelms us. And it's something we never take lightly. Thank you, Jesus. Doesn't even seem like enough. But Lord, we know what the word says. You are the lion. You are the lion of Judah. And you are in our lungs. And as Andrea said, today we roar. We roar in victory over this defeated world because what Jesus has done for us. God, help us stand strong. Stand fast in your grace. Not rely on our own physical strength, but rely on your spiritual strength that is inside us. And this morning, we have people who are with us, Lord, who are hurting, who are suffering, who are dealing with depression or anxiousness or whatever it may be, God. They are hurting and they need you. Right now, I'm going to ask them to come forward. Don't be shy. Don't be fearful. Do not let Satan take this moment away from you. Come and stand with your brothers and sisters who want to lift you up in prayer. And if there's someone in this room, you said, okay, I'm here. I've never accepted Jesus. Maybe that's, that's your victory this morning. Come forward and surrender your life to Christ. Proclaim who he is in your life, that death no longer has a hold on you. Satan no longer has a hold on you, but you're hold, held with the mighty hands of Jesus Christ. Come forward. It's the best decision you'll ever make. Lord, we love you. We're thankful, so thankful for your word of truth that's walked us through this series. That we can be your people who thrives in this world. You have defeated it. And we are yours. So we can proclaim victory in your name. And all God's people said, amen, church. We'll see you next week.